brand new series of messages here at New Season Church, Life, Money, and Hope, Biblical Advice in Difficult Times. And today we are taking up the basics of biblical finance. Now you might say, oh my gosh, it's Mother's Day. Why in the world will we ever be talking about how do we handle what God has blessed us with? Why would we be talking about how we handle money on Mother's Day, of course? And Sue, you know, she kind of got at it. She was right. I mean, what could make our mothers more happy than if they knew that we were going through this process of learning how to use what God has blessed us with according to God's plan for his glory so that we could be generous just like God? So there you have it. That's why we're doing it on Mother's Day. Now, many churches, they kind of go to extremes when it comes to talking about money in church. Let me just say that up front. They go to extremes when it comes to talking about money in church. On one extreme are the churches that never talk about money. They never say a word about money because they're afraid that if they ever talk about what Jesus says about money in church, that people will get mad and leave or that people will will get offended. But as we're going to see in just a minute, Jesus talked a whole lot about money, so it makes sense that we in the church should talk about money. Because if we don't talk about money in the church and how we're supposed to handle it and how God owns everything and he entrusts it to us, then we're only talking about part of the gospel then. We want to preach a full gospel here at New Season Church. So we're going we're to talk about money today and the next weeks to come. But then there's the other extreme, right? where it seems like there's churches that all they talk about is money. And when they talk about money, it's always about how you need to give more to the church so that they can pay their electric bill, right? And, you know, while certainly the scripture tells us to give back to God, and part of the way we give back to God is to give through the church, the scripture does tell us that, but the scripture has a whole bunch of other things to say when it comes to money besides give to the church so they can have the electric bill paid so they can continue the ministry as important as that is. So here at New Season Church, we're going to be somewhere in the middle. We're going to be somewhere where we're going to talk about it and not ignore it because it's part of what the Bible has to say. But we are going to cover the whole breadth of what the scripture, what the word of God has to say when it comes to how we handle what God has blessed us with, how we handle our finances. Now, before we get into all that, I want to share with you that that most of my life, before I was a, a follower of Jesus, certainly, and even after I became a follower of Jesus at the age of 16, and even after I became a pastor, I have not always been on board and following the plan that, as I find it in the scripture, God's plan for personal finances. That, you know, I am not an expert in this, is what I'm trying to say to you. That I'm in this journey with you. That we're going along together. Now, about a year ago, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, there's an area of growth in your life that you need to work on. And that has to do with how you're handling your possessions. How you're handling your money. So this last year, I spent some time studying. I spent some time in the Word. I spent some time listening. I spent some time reading. I spent some time praying. And while I'm still not an expert, I'm better than I was. And you know what? I know that if God can speak to my heart, God can also speak to your heart. My hope and prayer is that today or in the weeks to come, that God might speak to your heart. If it's time for you to maybe do a little bit better, then we can journey together. 
Now, we talk about money and faith in the church not because God wants and needs your money or because the church needs or wants your money, but we talk about money and faith in the church because do you know the number one reason why married people fight is over money? Do you know the number one reason people get divorced is because money? You see, we talk about money and faith in the church because Jesus said in Matthew 26, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart is. In other words, where you spend your money, that's where your heart is. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And check this out. Do you know that Jesus, 66% of the stories that Jesus told had to do with money and possessions? Did you know that there's 2,300 verses in the Bible that say something about money and faith? And do you know that Jesus talked more about money and possessions than he talked about faith and prayer combined? So, you know, I think Jesus was on to something and he knew something that we, especially us living today, would struggle with this whole issue of faith and money, faith and finances, how we are stewards of what God has given to us. Now, statistics tell us that if we here in the church are anything like the rest of the people in our country, that we're some herding puppies when it comes to handling the money God has given us. It's said that 75% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. That the average 38-year-old has $66,000 in debt. And while the recent recession has caused us to do better when it comes to savings, before that recession, we were spending $1.21 for every dollar that we brought in. We were spending more than we brought in. You know that 62% of Americans will retire with less than $10,000? So... Most of us don't do too well with God's money. Now, there might be some here that do do well with God's money, and I'm happy for you. But you know what? We can all do better. Even if we are up here and we're doing really well, we can do even better. Now, as I studied about all this last year, and as I prayed about it, when it comes to money and faith, I've learned some themes. I've learned some themes that kind of recurred and recurred as I studied and prayed and read the Bible. And that is this. The first one is that most of the time, money's not the problem. Instead, money's only a symptom. Money's not the problem for most of us. It's only a symptom. The problem for most of us is the person we look at in the mirror. It's you and I. Money problems are really behavior problems. Money problems are behavior problems and faith problems. They're not money problems. They're not finance problems. They're behavior problems. You know, more money won't fix us. It won't fix us. It'll just make us more of who we are. So, you know, if you were a jerk when you didn't have any money, when you get a lot of money, you're still going to be a jerk. You're just going to be more of a jerk. If you were generous and kind when you were poor, when you get some money, you'll be even more generous and more kind. See, money doesn't solve the problems. It just makes us more of who we are. And here's another thing. You know, I used to be scared about all of this stuff about personal finance and how to handle money. I was scared because, you know, I didn't know anything about the stock market, about which stocks were best. I didn't know the difference between a mutual fund and a bond. You know what? I didn't know the difference between a certificate of deposit and a money market account. And I still don't know all of that stuff 
I still don't have it all down. But here's what I learned. When it comes to personal financing, when it comes to handling God's money, God's way, it's about 80% behavior and 20% knowledge. See, I learned I could do it. And I know you can too. I also learned this, that following God's principles for handling money is more of a process than it is a quick thing. There's no get-rich-quick scheme that will put us on God's plan for handling our finances. Instead, it's more like a, um, a dinner cooking in a crock pot versus a dinner that's warmed up in the microwave. To get it right with God's plan for finance is more like dinner in a crock pot than it is zapping a meal in the microwave. You know, get rich quick doesn't work. So this morning I want to begin to lay out some biblical basics that will help you and I to live out God's plan for our money and help us become all he intends us to be. So we're going to shoot fast here. So are you ready? You strapped in? You thinking about Mother's Day lunch yet? You with me? First basic I want to share with you from the Bible, if you want to win with money in this world, if you want to handle your money according to God's plan, is to get out of debt. It's to get out of debt. The book of wisdom sayings in the Bible, in the Old Testament known as Proverbs, says this, the borrower is slave to the lender. The problem with debt is that it represents all kinds of risk. When we are indebted, we are enslaved to risk. So, therefore, if we go out and we take out a big loan for something, we risk and we put ourselves at risk because if we lose our job or our spouse gets laid off or we become incapacitated or, you know what, we take out you know, one of those mortgages and the interest rate set to go up in five years and it balloons really high. We've only been paying interest only. And so we get upside down in our house and we can't feed our house when it's upside down. We run all kinds of risk. And while home mortgage debt is some of the best kind of debt to have, if you're going to have debt, it still represents risk. And while the Bible calls us to risk, it's faith-filled risk that the Bible calls us to, not risk when it comes to debt. The problem with debt is that not only does it represent risk and enslave, enslave us, it also just plain enslaves us. Have you ever said to yourself, I have to go to work because I have to make the payment for the car. I have to go to work because I have to pay off Sally Mae. You know, I can't stand this job, but I'm afraid to leave because I might have to take a pay cut. I'm afraid to leave because I might not find another job. And so you don't leave and you stay stuck in that job and you stay miserable because you're enslaved to that debt because you can't leave because you have that debt. And the borrower, the Bible says, is slave to the lender. The problem with this slavery to debt is that it prevents us from being generous. You see, it's hard to be generous when you're sending all your money to American distress. Sally Mae, Wells Fargo, Ford Motor Credit, whoever. But what if you got rid of all that stuff? What would it be like if you paid off the car? What would it be like if you could get rid of that student loan? What would it be like if you could pay off the HELOC? What would it be like if you could just, you know, get rid of all the debt in your life? Just spend a minute to think about that if you're a person who has debt. If you didn't have to send those payments away, think about your budget and all the money that would be left over. And what could you do with that? And how free would you be? 
See, I want to say to you that I think if we can get out of debt, we can be free. The problem for most of us is we're trapped by our debt. I myself had no earthly idea that there was anything wrong in the world with debt. I thought that that's what everybody did, that that was a way of life. I grew up knowing debt. And it is what everybody does. It is what is normal, right? You get debt. The statistics tell us that. That's why we have the statistics we have. But you see, as followers of Jesus, we're not called to be normal. We're called to be weird. At least when it comes to this. (laughs) We're weird enough in other ways. But we're called to be different. We're called not to be normal when it comes to this. What debt really is, is financial whining. And I'm a cheap whiner. It's saying, I can't afford it, but I want it now. I want it now. It goes back to our childhood. You know, when we were in line at the grocery store and we wanted the candy bar, and mom said, no. You know, now that we got a credit card, an opportunity for credit, we say, I want the candy bar now. I want it now, and I'm going to have it now. And before we know it, we're indebted in all these ways. But you know what? Jesus said something about this. He said, in life, satisfaction doesn't come from our things, but a relationship with him. You know, I think our generation is a generation, unlike, you know, the World War II generation, that never practices delayed gratification. We want it, and we want it now. And we'll get it. Now, I want to say this to you. Debt in and of itself is not a sin, church. It's not a salvation issue. You can have debt and still go to heaven. Can I have an amen? But debt is simply dumb. But we rationalize it, don't we? Take a credit card, for example. We say to ourselves, I just use my card for the reward points. I use it for the extra mile. And I actually play the credit card company because I charge all this stuff and I pay it off the next month. And look at me. And I played those credit card people and I got all the miles and I'm going to Jamaica. Well, you know what? I've never heard of any millionaire who ever said, yep, I made all of it on credit card miles. You know, or if you're like me, the excuse that I make is that I'm going to get this credit card and use it for emergencies. And my definition of emergency goes like this to this. And before I know it, there's $5,000 on that card. And I'm not using it for emergencies anymore. But you know what? I've come wise now not to be a slave to discover bondage, American distress, and master fraud. And I've not used a credit card in over a year. I use a debit card now for everything. I want to tell you, a debit card will do everything a credit card will do except put you into debt because you you can't spend money that's not theirs. So that's the first basic of biblical finance. Well, at this rate, second basic of biblical finance is to act your wage. It's to act your wage. That's the second fill in the blank there. The Bible puts it this way when it warns in the book of Proverbs, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has, Proverbs 21.20. Did you catch that? A foolish man devours all he has. Let's bring that in today's language. A foolish man spends his whole paycheck. A foolish man has his paycheck spent before he even gets it. 
if we hope to go- follow God's plans for our finances, we just have to do this simple thing. Spend less than we make. If you can never say no to yourself, if you can never say no to other people in your life, whether it's children or other relatives or whoever, your spouse, you'll never win with money and be able to follow God's plan. So we must act our wage and learn to be content. Third basic principle for biblical finance I want to share is to encourage all of us to get on a budget where before the month begins, we have on paper, on purpose, a written game plan where we've given every dollar a name for where it's going to go. That's called being a good steward of God's resources. And one of the ways you do that is by budgeting. If we're to be like the faithful servants, the two who effectively manage their master's money in the parable of the talents, then we must budget on purpose. Let me pose this question to you to think about. If you ran a business that was called You Incorporated, and you ran the business financially, would you fire you? Part of this biblical principle of being a good steward or caretaker of God's wealth, and it all is his, he just loans it to us, is to make sure we control our money, and our money's not controlling and directing us. A fourth basic principle of biblical finance is to learn to save and invest money. Quite simply, if you don't save, you'll be broke your whole life. And you'll never become who God intends you to be. Remember that verse I shared with you a few minutes ago? In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. It's wise to have storehouses. It's wise to save. One of the most important things to save for is an emergency. A rainy day fund. Because let's face it, this is life and it's going to rain. The transmission's going to go out. Someone's going to die unexpectedly and we're going to have to pay for their funeral you get laid off, if you have saved $1,000 in an emergency fund, then guess what? That $1,000 will be your umbrella when it rains. And so instead of going back to the credit card for emergencies, right, church? We have $1,000. And we take that and we pay it, then we replenish it. Here's what, what I've noticed in my life and in the life of others. That when I don't have $1,000 set aside, when I don't have an emergency fund, when I'm not following God's guidance, stuff breaks all the time. There's catastrophe after catastrophe. But when I do have $1,000, it's kind of like repellent. It's like insect repellent. It's called Murphy's Law repellent. So Murphy's Law doesn't come into play because of this emergency fund. It just seems to work that way. Like the wise servant who's of the master in the story of the talents, You can also invest the savings that you get. For example, if you were to invest $100 a month from age 30 to age 70 with a good growth stock mutual fund, you'd have one, I'm not going to say it, $1.1 million by age 70. $100 a month. I mean, that's the money that you would spend on cable, pizza, soda a month. For that money, you could send your grandkids to college, retire with dignity, travel, or give to the poor. I don't know. You know, I heard that growing up, but it never clicked with me. You know, compound interest? I don't know what it is we have to do to make it click for our young people. But that's the truth. 
But with excessive debt, living beyond your paycheck, not having a budget and not saving, you won't ever have anything to invest. So what happens when you get out of debt? You spend less than you make, you get on a budget, and you learn to save and invest. Then you get to do the most fun thing of all when it comes to handling God's money. You get to give it away. You get to give it away. Matthew 10.8 says, freely you have received, freely give. The main property of God is his generosity. And the idea that God has given us everything, whether it's the clothes on our back, the next breath that we take, our children, or our cars, or our homes, whatever it is that we have, a generous God has given it to us. And so we're to be reflections of that generosity. We reflect God most closely when we're generous like him. But broke people with excessive debt, living beyond their means, without a budget, with no saving, with no investment, can't bless other people by giving their money away because they're too darn concerned with paying the bills and keeping it afloat. So do you understand what I'm saying there? I just said something very important. And that is, if you don't have this stuff lined up, then you can't fully be who God intends you to be. And he fully intends you to be as generous as possible. I recently read about a couple who was successful and lived out these basic biblical principles of finance. They were winning with money, and they got in a position where they could give. So they started a Waffle House ministry. What they would do, and what they prayed about, is that they were going to go to a Waffle House, they decided. And they were going to take $400 and lay it on the table as a tip for the waitress. So they prayed before they went, Lord, put us in the right booth. Let us sit down in the right seat to the right waitress who needs this money. And so they went to the Waffle House and they sat down and who comes to serve them but a waitress who was pregnant. Now, friends, I have nothing against the Waffle House. I've eaten there and I've liked it. But if you're pregnant and you're working at the Waffle House, you know you probably need to work and could use the money. And so they had their meal, and they left the $400. Then they went outside in their car, and they looked through the windows. You know, at the Waffle House, they got some nice windows to look through. And they watched as that young lady picked up that $400 and looked at it. The price on her face. How does the credit card commercial go? Priceless. Priceless. But you know what? And that's just one example. It's not saying that everybody has to go to the Waffle House and drop down 400 bucks. But you know what? They could never be so generous if they hadn't first lived their life according to the principles that God lays out for what God has given them when it comes to their money. They were in a position to do this because they had been wise. Let me end by saying this this morning. If you're not winning with money, if you found yourself struggling through this issue your whole life or recently, I want to say to you that God loves you. That you're not less of a person. That you're not less of a follower of Jesus. In fact, you may have never heard of these basics. See, the principles of biblical finance are not there so the church can get more money. They're not there because God needs our money. But the basics for biblical finance are there for us. Because God loves us so much that he wants to see us do well. He wants us to know the joy of not having to worry about who's calling on the phone to collect their bill. He wants us to know the joy of being able to give generously 
He wants us to know the joy of seeing an opportunity, a God-ordained opportunity, and being able to follow that God-ordained opportunity because we have the means to do so. You get the idea. It's kind of like parenting. You know, with your child, they might do some silly stuff, but you always love them. They always have a place in your heart. That's the same thing with the Father in heaven. We do some silly stuff with our finances and with a whole ton of other stuff, but he still loves us. He's still crazy about us. We're still the apple of his eye. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for all your many blessings. Especially, Lord, we thank you that you have given us guidance when it comes to how we're to handle what you have given to us. Lord, just as we have all sinned and fallen short of your glory, so there's not one of us that's perfect when it comes to handling your resources. But Lord, just as we are growing to become more like you in other parts of our lives, help us to grow to manage what you give to us so that we can be a blessing to others, so that we can be generous to others, so that we can follow your lead in all things without fear and without recourse. We pray all this in Jesus' name.